Do you know that there are 100 million unchurched people in the United States and that number continues to grow? The body of Christ faces many challenges in today's world that include religious apathy, criticism, and attacks from the media. Many people believe there is one God, but many paths to reach him. Yet the Bible says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is the only way to heaven. Sharing Christ in today's world isn't easy, but we can learn to answer tough questions people ask and share the gospel in a winsome way. Tough questions can be good. They reveal interest rather than apathy. Join us today as I interview Reverend Mark Larson, Director of the United States Ministries of Lutheran Hour Ministries, the topic dealing with tough questions. I want to welcome Reverend Mark Larson. He is here in the studio with me, and he is, as I mentioned, the Director of the United States Ministries for Lutheran Hour. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Kate. Um, a few months ago, uh, Lutheran Hour had some regional outreach conferences, one of which I was at. It was in Branson, Missouri. And you were presenting this topic, dealing with tough questions. And I loved it. As I sat in, I was trying to sit in on numerous uh, sectionals, so I didn't get the entire hour. But uh, I just think this is something our listeners can learn from. So I wanted to give you an opportunity just um, as we talk about that topic, dealing with tough questions, how would you summarize it for our listeners as we get started? Sure. It, it seems to me, Kay, that a lot of Christians are always very anxious to answer questions that people have about their faith. Uh, you know, they love God, they love their Lord, and have grown up with it, and, and feel like they uh, want to be able to respond in, in a very winsome and uh, an appropriate way. But I think uh, the first thing a person should keep in mind as they're uh, receiving one of those questions is uh, you really need to stop. You need to stop and listen first. Uh, our normal reaction is someone shoots a question at us and we want to answer right away and say, well, this is the answer and this is right and this will maybe convince them uh, to our particular way of thinking. But we really need to figure out why is the person asking that question? What's in their mind? And um, the answer to that question can fashion your, uh, shape your answer in a very, very different way. You know, for example, you know, if a person asks the question, um, you know, uh, why do babies die? You know, that, you know, if they experience that pain in their life personally, you know that you would give a very different answer than if it was someone who was just kind of trying to be a smart aleck and wanted to kind of trip you up and say, well, surely they're not going to be able to answer that question. So we really need to listen to figure out where that person is coming from. That's that's good. And uh, listen to identify their emotions, basically, you're mm -hmm. saying, you and why they're asking that question. And one of the things I think that you teach is that we should ask them, why are you asking that question? Uh, explain why you do that. I love that because uh, I have not normally asked people that ask me questions why they're asking. And I thought, mm-hmm, I can learn, yes. Yeah, it was very. I know at that uh, uh, seminar that you attended, Kay, that uh, we kind of practiced that at the seminar, and so I asked a question, and immediately uh, many people in, in uh, the audience that day just came right back. They didn't stop to think and ask. And like I said, I, I just think we need to do that because um, 
our answer is very much dependent upon the reason that a person is asking. And it can supply us with information that we need to know in order to be able to really help them. It's not a matter of us being right. Uh, you know, first of all, we need to care about that person because um, our being right isn't of much use unless we're really trying to be helpful and caring. So uh, knowing the reason why they're asking a question can very, very much shape uh, what we would say. Now, um, I've heard some people say that if we know that the world's going to end in one hour and we had just 60 minutes to share Christ with someone, maybe we should spend about 45 or 50 minutes of that hour listening to them to figure out how we can best shape our response to them. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. And another thing that we might find as we listen to people and ask why they're asking is that uh, sometimes they, they come at us with questions that are kind of full of anger. Um, and And yet, sometimes that anger can have some other uh, aspects to it. Talk a little bit about why, again, we can find uh, why they might be angry or whether they're really angry when we ask questions. Sure. Uh, You know, uh, a person could be angry for any number of reasons. It may be, uh, sometimes people are angry at God Mm -hmm. uh, about something that's happened that was really beyond the control of any human beings. And uh, I served in a parish for 12 years. And when someone said that they were angry at God, I was almost relieved because I knew that it wasn't something I did, <laughs> you know, to, that, you know, we all make mistakes. And, and, but those are very real questions for people. They don't, uh, very, very difficult, th- terrible things happen in this world. And, and we know that. Uh, so they can be angry, um, but they can be angry, not, not at God necessarily, but at the way that uh, people who call themselves Christians have behaved. Perhaps uh, they've run into judgmental people who didn't take the time to listen or, or to really remember the, the command of Christ that, uh, you know, uh, we're not here to be right. We're here to be loving. We're, we're here to be helpful. Certainly, we do want to share the truth of God's word, and um, God has revealed that to us. I mean, it's not to our credit that we know what is right, but we want to share it in a loving way in the same way that Christ would. You bet. You bet. I I can think of um, many times where people have been frustrated, maybe more than angry, but sometimes we perceive it as anger. And for Christians, a lot of times then they just run the other way because they're a a little intimidated by that emotion. Absolutely. And yet emotion often opens the door for many great opportunities to share Christ. Well, you've talked about uh, the fact that we want to empathize with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But but maybe uh, clarify the difference between empathy and sympathy and and how that might uh, be different as we present or, or, or ask them questions and then share God's love with them? Well, you know, the difference between empathy and sympathy, you know, is, is just try, trying to understand where they are um, and feeling the same way and, and trying to understand what, what they're going through. Uh, so I don't know if I'd be an expert to answer that question necessarily uh, on the distinction of that, but certainly we know that um, we want to be able to put ourselves in their shoes, so that we can give a better answer to whatever question it is that they might have. And we're going to do that by listening carefully and um, just taking the time to make sure that they know that we care, Mm -hmm. that we're not here to prove ourselves right, but that our our motivation really, or or even God. I mean, God's going to take care of himself. I mean, God doesn't need us to defend him. 
but we want to be helpful to that person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. And those are just some things we can learn as we ask questions of why do you ask that question? And you mentioned a few of the questions. But one of the other things that you did prior to really getting into a lot of the tough questions is is explain or help uh, the people in the class, and we want to help our listeners learn to kind of distinguish what they might need to hear by their question as we share the law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, as I was preparing for this, I was remembering a time my husband and I were taking a walk around our neighborhood, and one of our neighbors and us got into a conversation. We did not know them well, and the man said to us when we invited him to our church, if I walked into a church, the church would fall down. <laughs> and as I was listening, or when I was thinking of that, I thought, no, oh, i got to ask Mark that. What, does, what did that man need to hear more of the law or the gospel? Oh, that's a great question, but uh, my my answer to that, I've heard that many times, Kay. I've heard many people say, oh, the church is going to fall down if I walk in. My answer is always, well, architects know this and they take this into account, so you really <laughs> yeah. don't need to worry about yeah. that. That's all taken care of. Um, well, I think you just have to keep asking questions because you may not know simply from that. Uh, it sounds like that person may feel that they can't be forgiven, that they've been away from God for so long or done something so bad that um, they wouldn't be welcome there anymore. They're, they're too sinful or too bad, or perhaps they feel that Christians would simply reject uh, him because they know what they, they had done. Now, I was a pastor in a small community of about 2,000 people where everybody knew each other, and frankly, most people were related to each other. Um, you know, and, and certainly that dynamic was present in that community. Uh, people knew people's history, and um, so sometimes people doubted if God could forgive them or if their past would find forgiveness in the Christian community. Okay. Good, good. Um, as we talk a little bit more about how we ask questions to get to what they need, sharing the law and the gospel, what else do you share in your classes to help the Christian kind of get to that? Right. You know, again, we're asking questions, and the answer to those questions will will determine whether or not we need to kind of um, make the person comfortable or uncomfortable. You know, so, so we say, do, do they need to be kind of confronted with God's law? So if a person is, you know, if you would say perhaps smug or they're just argumentative, they don't take the topic seriously of, of their religious faith or religious faith at all, um, uh, they're just kind of smart aleck uh, and want to win an argument, you know, that's probably a point where you would really want to deal probably more with uh, confronting them with God's demand of perfection and that how they're really not able to uh, stand before God, that they're not worthy in any way to be in front of God. And they, they really ought to be concerned about that question. Uh, however, if in your conversations you discover a person, you know, is already hurting uh, the person is already uh, gone through some sort of trauma in their life that, in a sense, we could say that the, the, the law of God has already been preached to them in their lives and that they um, really need to hear some comfort. Um, you know, I, I sometimes say it this way, you know, that uh, Christian pastors at funerals, you know, don't need to preach much law, uh, maybe reference it and, and, and establish the context uh, because at a funeral, the law is being preached by the coffin mm-hmm. you know, and the event that has happened, you know, uh-huh. so... People are really searching for where is their hope, where is their life, where is their comfort. And uh, certainly most situations aren't that stark, but nonetheless, um, that's a sort of distinction that we're looking for as we're trying to figure out what is the word of God that I can bring to them that would be helpful. That's wonderful. That's great. Well, 
why are tough questions good? Well, for a lot of reasons, I suppose. You know, first of all, you know, it kind of reveals that the, uh, the person who's asking a question is interested. You know, uh, frankly, I think it's a lot harder to deal with people who are just apathetic or don't have any really idea that there is truth or lack of truth, um, you know, than a person who's asking some tough questions. Um, uh, sometimes people ask tough questions just to be argumentative, as I said, but sometimes it might be a real genuine hurt or need. Uh, but in either case, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to engage in conversation, to listen to where they're coming from, and then with God's help, say what can be helpful in that situation. That's great. Well, I want to ask you one tough question that we often hear. (laughs) Sure. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? I have heard that many times. I'm sure you have too. But how do we answer that? You know, and that is a great conversation um, and a question that gets asked all the time. You know, and to some degree... We do need to keep in mind that there are no myst- uh, there are some things that are mysteries, and we just don't have uh, the ability to answer everything. And we also need to admit that um, our understanding and perspective is is limited. Um, you know, you heard, well, I've always heard this, the story of the um, the four men who were uh, blind men who were feeling an elephant. One felt felt uh, the tail and said, "Oh." Um, an elephant is like a snake, and one fell to his side and said, an elephant is like a wall. You know, and the point is that they really couldn't see the whole thing and understand. You know, so I think we can certainly begin by saying that, you know, that simply there are some things that we cannot understand. And, um, and from God's perspective, what might seem uh, bad to us it may not actually be that way with God. Now, certainly we know that you know, we can start with, um, you know, there's sin in the world, and man was the cause of the sin, and God provided the solution in Jesus Christ by sending him as the Savior of the world so that his death on the cross would be payment for the sin, and so that when Jesus came to this earth, he is beginning the process of making everything better. Um, you know, so I think that's always the place to start, and that's sort of, a, you know, if you will, a theological answer. Um, and we probably have to you know, continue to unpack it from there, you know, that, that God in his grace is able to use bad things and use them for good. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, the classical example of that from Scripture, from the Bible, uh, would be would be Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery, and mm. that certainly was a bad thing. <laughs> uh, but God used that. Um, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery. He spent years in prison um, and went through many terrible things from a human perspective. And yet, uh, in the end, he was taken out of the prison, made second in command in all of Egypt, and since he was able to understand God's, uh, or the Pharaoh's dream and interpret it, he was able to save, as the scripture said, save the world because they saved the grain from the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. And so uh, finally, Joseph's brothers were brought in confrontation before uh, Joseph and um, Joseph forgave them and said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I think, uh, you know, as people mature, you know, we realize that the things which at first we thought uh, were bad and or evil or, or, or something like that, we can see how God has used it for good. Okay, that's great. Uh, I'm going to make some announcements, and then we're going to continue talking about this topic, dealing with tough questions. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, 
8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Why not put Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? Most people want to give the majority of their assets to their family, but many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive 5 or 10% of it. Family Shield's estate program is entitled Generations Legacy. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness2family at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.familyshieldministries.com. This is Kay Meyer, host for today's Family Shield program. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, Reverend Mark Larson, who is uh, employed by Lutheran Hour Ministries, is my guest today. Mark, would you have any other resources or information you'd like to share about Lutheran Hour with our listeners? Yeah, Lutheran Hour offers a lot of resources. Um, our main purpose is uh, telling people about Jesus, bringing Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. And uh, as Kay mentioned, uh, stop by our website, uh, lhm.org, uh, and we'll be glad to, you'll find many, many resources. I might in particular point out, uh, we have uh, a new one called Men's Network, and there's a lot of great Bible studies you'll find on that site. Uh, that a lot of questions that men are asking. We know that uh, the relevance of the faith uh, to men is is uh, something that we're concerned about these days. And Lutheran Hour Ministries is trying to do something about that. We produce uh, you know five or six new Bible studies every year uh, that are directed towards men. Lots of other activities and ways to be involved. So that's just one of the many things that you can check out. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, very good. I know a lot of the stations we're airing Family Shield on also air the Lutheran Hour. So some of our listeners will be familiar with that uh, program. And how many years has that been airing? About 80. 80 years. Wow, that's awesome. Well, again, we're talking about dealing with tough questions. And um, one of the uh, issues that we talked about as I did the introduction is sometimes people are uh, apathetic to Christian things, and they're not going to ask any questions. Or if they are, they're just going to kind of debate with you. Uh, Sometimes people are just critical of Christian issues. And sometimes there's attacks by the media. But uh, relating to objections that people bring up, uh, what are some of the things that we can do when we are in 
when we encounter someone that might have some of those objections? Uh, sure. When, when a person have a, has some objections, you just need to, uh, you know, uh, keep your cool. Don't get upset because certainly we know that uh, that might be the very thing that person wants to do if they just want to debate and argue. Um, you know, that's obviously not very helpful, and you're getting angry will only seem to uh, minimize your effectiveness as a witness for Christ and kind of seem to say you're coming from a weak position, which is, uh, of course, anything but but the truth. But again, you just need to listen and, and figure out why a person is raising that objection. You know, what is the reason behind it? And, um, you know, keep asking. Uh, we also need to keep in mind that um, we need to give you know thoughtful and nuanced answers, uh, and you need to do this in um, the context of a dialogue. Certainly not a debate. You know that a you know a debate is I'm trying to prove that person wrong, and in a dialogue we're really talking about um, how a person how we can understand each other and understand each other better. And again, I just repeat as I said before that you know our purpose in sharing the faith is not to prove ourselves right. Um, our purpose is to bring the love of Christ and the, the context of the Word of God into a person's life, which is going to be helpful to them. Um, you know, being right is overrated, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, uh, maybe this would be a good time for a gos- another gospel illustration. Could you share one? We, we have plenty of time. Okay. We're not close to the end, but I decided it might be good to share it okay. now. Yeah, I have two of my favorite. And I'm going uh, to save my favorite for the end, but okay. start with this one. Um, uh, one of my, I call this the uh, Pastor Larson checkbook illustration of the gospel because everyone has uh, a checkbook. And I just maybe emphasize to those who might be listening or perhaps to those um, who are unfamiliar with the, the main tenet of, of the Christian faith, you know, uh, is called the gospel. And that's why it is so important to us. But um, <clears throat> uh, one of my favorite illustrations is, is what I call it a checkbook illustration. And so just imagine that when a person is born, they get a checkbook. Now, when you do something right, you get a deposit, and when you do something wrong, it's a debit. And we might ask ourselves, well, how does that go? Well, you know, the Bible says that people are born in sin. So we already start off with a negative uh, a negative account. So we'll put, you know, K. Meyer's name in there. So K is already negative. Um, you know, and, you know, do you have siblings, K? Yes, I do. Two did children. you ever fight with them? Two, two, two daughter, uh, sisters, all the time. <laughs> uh, you fought with, yeah, you know, uh, more debits, and you probably didn't listen to your parents all the time, uh, you know, and probably made, uh, you know, and the list can go on and on and on about all the things that, you know, K. Meyer or any of us uh, have done wrong. Um, and so we might ask ourselves uh, the question, well, is there anything that we've done right, you know, that would uh, get get us some credit into that account? And... Um, it's okay to, I, I suppose you must have done some things right in your life. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> a few things. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, however, you know, uh, the Bible says that all of our righteousnesses before God are like filthy rags, you know, meaning that even the good things that we do, because we're sinful, aren't perfect before God. I always like to use the illustration of, you know, um, when I preach, I want to do a good job. And the answer is why? Or the question is why? Well, I want to do a good job to glorify God and be helpful to people. But, you know, there's always that little bit that I, that I want to hear. Oh, that was a nice sermon, Pastor. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about my reputation. And that's, <laughs> that doesn't make that a good offering to God. Uh, you know, it, it, I maybe did something right, but because of my sinful nature, it wasn't perfect before God. You know, so the bottom line is uh, none of us 
can have a positive balance in this checking account. And there's nothing we can do. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. However, since Jesus came to earth, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas time, he's given a checkbook too. He became man. He never sinned. And he continued to do the right thing his whole life. He, he loved people. He taught people. He healed people. He shared. And then in the, uh, in the end, he was willing to do anything that it took to redeem mankind. So uh, we can imagine that Jesus has a, you know, a checking account with billions and billions and billions of dollars. So, of course, knowing Jesus like we do, what do you suppose he would do for people like Kay Meyer, who have this terrible negative balance in her account? Now, uh, I won't ask you to answer that, Kay, because I, I bet you'll guess the, guess the correct one. But a lot of people would say, well, Jesus will make a deposit, right? Not at all. That's not at all what Jesus would do. He does something much, much better. Um, Christ scratches out Kay Meyer's name in that overdrawn account and writes in his own. And he takes his account and scratches out his name and he uh, writes in Kay Meyer's. So Jesus takes your debt and he takes and he gave you all of his goodness and righteousness. And that's really the fullness of the gospel. It's not that Jesus helped us out a little bit. It's that he traded places. He took our sin completely when he died upon the cross, and he has made us his children and given to us all of his treasures and merits. And that's the fantastic message of the good news of the gospel. It's not simply that um, he helped us out a bit or made a little deposit. He solved the problem completely. Because if it was just a deposit, we might go negative back into the negative account again. But that's not at all what Jesus did. Jesus sacrificed his life felt the wrath of God, the abandonment of his Father, in order that we might be redeemed. That's a great story. Thank you so much. Um, our time is moving. Uh, we've got uh, about two minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, any other thoughts that you have related to the topic of dealing with tough questions? Oh, I'll maybe just kind of summarize again what I, what I think the main points are. Um, you know, is First of all, maybe check our attitudes also. You know, that when we're talking with people, um, you know, sometimes uh, we might be engaged in a conversation with someone who has an objection that is uh, very near and dear to us, maybe a family member, a spouse, a child, um, our, our parents. It could be any of those people. And, and at those times, uh, we might be hesitant to speak what needs to be said because we don't want to upset the apple cart uh, and we want to keep family peace. Uh, you know, so at those times, it might be able to easier to approach in a loving fashion, but maybe not have the courage in that relationship to say what needs to be said to make a change. But on the other hand, uh, we might be engaged with someone that we really don't care that much for. They're just kind of difficult, you know? Um, But Christ calls us to love them too. And he wants us to share the good news of Jesus with them. And in order to do that, we need to be careful not to jump to answering what we think is the right answer and jumping in with our solution. We need to listen to figure out why that person is asking that question so that we can uh, give the best answer for them in that context. Very good. Thank you. Again, my guest has been Reverend Mark Larson. I wish we had two more hours to talk (laughs) about this, but uh, we didn't. So we'll just deal with that. And we hope that uh, some of what we shared sparked an interest and will help our listeners share their faith and answer some tough questions. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Uh, Learn more about Family Shield at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you don't have a church and would like us to recommend one, again, give us a call, one 877 
1-877-317-4326. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.